0: Welcome to the Pulp Nostalgia AudioCast. This week we have The Rats in the Wall, July 3rd, 1964 episode of Black Mass. The series aired sporadically over multiple Los Angeles-area radio stations from 1963 to 1967. And this episode is based on the short story of the same name by H.P. Lovecraft and was first published in the March 1924 issue of Weird Tales. Now known as a major influence on generations of horror writers, Lovecraft was unappreciated and struggled to make any sort of living during his lifetime. He's best known now for creating the Cthulhu Mythos, which features the Great Old Ones, ancient powerful gods. While the mythos features in most of Lovecraft's work, the first story to focus on the themes of the Great Old Ones was The Call of Cthulhu, published in the February 1928 Weird Tales. You can read about Lovecraft and other pulp writers in Beginner's Guide to Pulp Fiction, now available from Amazon and other bookstores. You can also purchase signed copies from Brick Pickle Media at a discount, and that direct link is in the show notes. The Pulp Nostalgia AudioCast is a Brick Pickle Media production. For more, visit www.brickpicklemedia.com. You can find a link to all of our books on our entire online store on the website. And just a reminder that if you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And with that, on with the show.
1: Welcome to the Black Mass. One of the foremost writers of pure horror and the supernatural is H.P. Lovecraft. He regarded all his work as based on the idea that the world was inhabited at one time by another race, which in practicing black magic lost its foothold and was expelled, yet lives on, outside, ever ready to take possession of this earth again. Tonight... We bring you one of his most famous tales, The Rats in the Walls, by H. P. Lovecraft. The restoration of Exum Priory had been a stupendous task. For little had remained of the deserted pile but a shell-like ruin. But because it had been the seat of my ancestors, I let no expense deter me. The place had not been inhabited since the reign of James I, when a tragedy of intensely hideous, though largely unexplained nature, occurred. It appeared that my ancestor was accused, with much reason, of having killed all the other members of his household in their sleep. This deliberate slaughter, which included his father, as well as three brothers and two sisters was strangely condoned by the villagers and slackly treated by the law. With this sole heir nevertheless legally denounced as a murderer, the estate had reverted to the crown, the accused man making no attempt to exculpate himself or regain his property. Shaken by some horror greater than that of conscience or the law and expressing only a frantic wish to exclude the ancient edifice from his sight and memory. Walter de la Power fled to the United States, where, by the end of several generations, the family had achieved a proud and honourable, if somewhat reserved and unsocial, Virginia line. After the Civil War, the family moved north. I emerged and grew to manhood, to middle age, and to ultimate wealth within the grayness of a Massachusetts business life. My wife, Emily, died shortly after the birth of our only son, Alfred. And Alfred, in the Aviation Corps in 1917. They both had died leaving me old, bereaved, and aimless, a retired manufacturer. I travelled, eventually to England, eventually to Anchester, eventually to the ancient family seat, Exham Priory itself. A jumble of tottering medieval ruins, covered with lichens, perched perilously upon a precipice, denuded of floors and other interior features save the stone walls and the separate towers. The priory had been allotted to the estate of the Naris family by the crown. And now, three centuries later, I purchased the ruin for a surprisingly reasonable figure and resolved to divert my remaining years by restoring restoring my ancestral home. I had secured the interest, assistance, and the friendship of Captain Norris, whose knowledge of the place had been increased through the years by his having accompanied the many architects and antiquarians who loved to examine the strange relics.
2: The, uh, mind your foot on that big stone yes. over there. Mm-hmm. The, um, the architecture, you see, is peculiarly composite. Uh, Gothic towers resting mm, over there yes. on Saxon or Romanesque substructure. The uh, foundation is of a still earlier order, brand of orders, I suppose, Roman yes. or even Druidic or native Simric, if legends speak truly. And merged on the one side, you see, down here, with the uh. solid limestone of the precipice. Amiable
1: Captain Norris. The place and its ancestry had an almost consuming fascination for him. He knew every detail of its history and its former structure and became of inestimable help in the reconstruction.
2: The uh, priory itself actually stands on the site of a prehistoric temple. A druidical or anti-druidical thing which must have been contemporary of mm, (laughs) Stonehenge and dates like that.
1: Well, it's unfortunate that our neighbours aren't all antiquarians such as you, Captain Norris. I had not been in Anchester a day before I knew I came from an accursed house. Oh,
2: yes, the country folk around here have their own sense of tradition, I'm afraid. They hated the Priory hundreds of years ago when your ancestors lived here. And they hate it now, with the moss and mould of abandonment on it. We'll have to go outside of the immediate vicinity for our workers. You see, it isn't so much hatred as the, the almost unbelievable fear they have of the place and the
1: scope appears to include both the priory and, I'm afraid, its ancient family. Yes, I I don't seem to be able to convince the villagers how little I know of my heritage.
2: Oh, but to them a lineage is beyond a message of knowing. It's in the bone and blood itself. I'm not sure I disagree. But what do we see? After three centuries, a power has returned to his ancient site to reconstruct the very house, and for the villagers... You've come to restore a symbol abhorrent to them. Oh. Rational or not, you know, they view Exham Priory as nothing less than a haunt of fiends <laughs> and
1: werewolves. <laughs> Captain Norris, <laughs> superstitions. superstitions, ghosts and
2: goblins Oh, no, not quite that. No, ah, you no. share
1: their worries nevertheless.
2: Well, so would you, Pyre. Yeah. It's not a matter of the present, I and mean, it's not all superstition. Yeah. This is an ancient place, Pyre. That indescribable rites had been celebrated here, no one doubts. Rites of the sibili worship, which the Romans had introduced. Inscriptions still visible in the subcellar of the priory bear the unmistakable letters and signs of Magna Mater, whose dark worship was once vainly forbidden to Roman citizens. Mm. About a thousand A.D., the place is mentioned as being a substantial stone priory housing a strange and powerful monastic order, and surrounded by extensive gardens. You will see them right over there. See? Oh yes, mm, yes. Now mind that uh, stone there. <laughs> you know the people didn't need any walls to keep them out. They were too frightened of the place altogether. Mm-hmm. It was never destroyed by the Danes, oddly enough. After the Norman conquest, it must have declined tremendously. There was no impediment when Henry Third granted the site to your ancestor, Gilbert de la Poa, he was called then. Yeah. First Baron
1: Exon, in, I think, 12... Yes, 1261. Yes, well, <laughs> then it's the location, the house, not the family, that inherits the bad name. Oh, well, they became aligned, you see. Yeah.
2: And not, so far as we know, unwillingly. True, before their occupation, the family bore no evil report. But something strange must soon have occurred know, in one chronicle, there's a reference to Adela Poa as cursed of God. It's a strange phrase. Village legendary had nothing but evil and frantic fear to tell of the castle. The fireside tales were of the most grisly description. All the... Mind your head, done, yeah. All the ghastlier, because of their frightened reticence and cloudy evasiveness... I'm afraid they (laughs) represented your ancestors as a race of hereditary (laughs) demons. (laughs) But what precisely
1: happened, Norris? What went on?
2: Well, there are the vaguer tales. Hackneyed spectral lore, perhaps. Mm. wails and the usual howlings heard around the place. Graveyard stench after the spring rains. The servant girl who'd gone mad at what she saw in the full light of day in the priory. (laughs) The accounts of vanished peasants are less to be dismissed though not especially significant in view of medieval custom. Prying curiosity meant death, and more than one severed head had been publicly shown on the bastions around Exum Priory. Ah yes, yes. Well, it's difficult. A few of the tales were exceedingly picturesque. For instance, the belief that a legend of bat-winged devils kept witches' Sabbath each night at the priory—a legend <laughs> whose sustenance must explain the disproportionate abundance of coarse vegetables harvested <laughs> in the gardens. <laughs> but most, most vivid of all, there was the dramatic epic of the rats. The rats. Yes. The, scampering army of obscene vermin which had burst forth from the castle a couple of months after the tragedy that doomed the place to desertion mm, three centuries ago. You know, know, a lean, filthy, ravenous army which had swept all before it and devoured fowl, cats, dogs, hogs, sheep and, you know, (laughs) even two villagers before (laughs) its fury was spent. Yes, around that unforgettable rodent army a cycle of myths revolved.
1: It scattered among the village homes and brought curses and horrors in its train. Oh, yes, and that was just three months after Walter de la Power had murdered his family and fled to Virginia.
2: Yeah, yes, I should say about that.
1: You know, one thing puzzles me about that murder. Walter de la Power must have known for years the sinister tales about his family, so that this material could have given him no fresh impulse. I can scarcely conjecture what discovery could have prompted an act so terrible. What had he witnessed or stumbled upon?
2: Oh, uh uh, take this path down here. Yes. Uh, The um well, the general whispered sentiment seems to have been that he purged the land of immemorial curse.
1: Such was the law that assailed me as I began with an elderly obstinacy, the work of restoring my ancestral home. While living with Captain Norris' family during the restoration of the Priory, I collected many such tales of superstition or fact. But it must not be imagined that they formed my principal psychological environment. I was constantly praised and encouraged by Captain Norris and the antiquarians who surrounded and aided me. When the task was done, Over two years after its commencement, I viewed the great rooms with pride. wainscotted walls, vaulted ceilings, mullioned windows, broad staircases. All there, all as it had been, every attribute of the Middle Ages was cunningly reproduced. The new parts blended perfectly with the original stone walls and foundations. The seat of my father's was complete. And I looked forward to redeeming at last the local fame of the line, which ended with me. The interior of the old house was in truth wholly new and free from old vermin and old ghosts. The first incident occurred six days after I moved into the Priory. That night, dispensing as usual with a valet, I retired to the West Tower chamber, which I had chosen as my own. The room was circular, very high, and without wainscoting, the stones being hung with tapestries. I did not draw the curtains, but gazed out at the narrow north window, which I faced from the canopied four-poster. At some time, I must have fallen quietly asleep for I recall a distinct sense of leaving strange dreams. As I awoke, I found myself looking intensely at a point on the wall, A point to which my eye had nothing to mark it, but toward which all my attention was directed. Whether the tapestry actually moved, I cannot say. I think it did very slightly. But what I can swear to is that behind it I heard a low, distinct scurrying, as of mice or rats. Then it was gone. Some sort of effect of echo, perhaps, coming from some other area of the house. There was no need of my looking behind the arras, for the walls were of solid stone, several feet thick. It was a while before I could drift back to sleep, and I seemed directly to re-enter my earlier dream, except that this time the vision was clearly... Horribly before me. I I seemed to be looking down. Down from an immense height upon a a twilight grotto. Knee deep with filth. Where a white-bearded demon, a swineherd, drove about with his staff a flock of fungus beasts. Whose appearance filled me with unutterable loathing. Then, as the swineherd paused and nodded over his task, a mighty swarm of rats rained down on the stinking abyss and fell to devouring beasts and men alike. But suddenly I was awake, wide awake. On every side of the chamber the walls were alive with nauseous sound. The verminous slithering of ravenous, gigantic rats I could see a hideous shaking all over the tapestry. But the motion disappeared almost at once, and the sound with it. I sprang out of bed and tore aside the arras to see what lay beneath it. Nothing. Nothing but the patched stone wall. I, I stepped out of the room, And stood for a moment at the head of the great ancient stairway listening listening to the house i could hear them i could hear them faintly at first but coming from all the walls and as i descended the stampeding continued with such force and distinctness that I could finally assign to their motions a definite direction, these creatures, in numbers apparently inexhaustible, were engaged in one stupendous migration from inconceivable heights to some depth inconceivably below. Rats? When I questioned the servants, they said they heard nothing. I didn't want to alarm them by insisting. No, I wasn't dreaming, Norris. It was no dream.
2: But there have been no rats at the priory for 300 years. Even the field mice couldn't be found in these high walls. Wherever
1: would they be found in walls of solid stone?
2: Mm. You say they were headed downward, hmm?
1: Captain Norris helped me explore the sub-cellar, but absolutely nothing untoward was found. We could not, however, repress a thrill at the knowledge that this vault was built by Roman hands.
2: You see, up here, it's not the debased Romanesque of the bungling Saxons, but the severe and harmonious classicism of the age of the Caesars. Look here at these inscriptions. T.M. Temp Dona, Lucius Pricius Pontificatus. Or is it, Attis? Yes, etis hmm. Attis.
1: The reference made me shiver, for I had read Catullus and knew something of the hideous rites of the Eastern gods whose worship was so mixed with that of Sibili.
2: Look, hold your uh, lantern up here. No, not, not that yes. one. That, by this stone block here. Oh, yes, I see. Yes, you see the design cut into it, a sort mm-hmm. of rayed sun?
1: Mm.
2: That's not Roman. No, that's not Roman at all. It's of an earlier origin. These These altars had merely been adopted by the Roman priests from some older, perhaps, Aboriginal temple on the same site. Come down here. Let's have a look down here.
1: Nurries and I determined to pass the night in the crypt, and couches were brought down by the servants. We retired with the lantern still burning to await whatever might occur. The vault was very deep in the foundations of the Priory, and that it had been the goal of the scuffling and unexplainable rats, I could not doubt. But why? Why? As we lay there expectantly, I found my vigil occasionally mixed with half-formed dreams. I saw the twilight grotto and the swineherd, The fungus beasts wallowing in filth. They seemed nearer, nearer and more distinct. I, I could almost observe their features. Beasts... But not exactly beasts. They became more distinct as I watched, looking up at me. Terrifying. Terrifying! Ah, 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 ah. Norris! Norris, wake up, Norris! Wake up, wake what, what up! What is it, what, What's wrong? Did you hear? Did you hear them? Did you hear them, Norris? What? What? The rats! Rats? I, I
2: heard I heard
1: nothing, nothing at all. Still downward. They were they were going still farther oh, down. No, no. There are cellars below us, Norris. Cellars? Norris, was it hallucination? Was it madness? Why have they stopped? Why have they stopped? Why why is it silent now?
2: Hmm. Perhaps you've been shown what certain forces wished to show you. They were headed downward.
1: In this altar, see, Norris. The lantern, uh, the lantern flickers at the crevice here between so the altar and the does. floor. There must be some kind of... By Jove! There must be some way of descending, some door, some some kind of entrance.
2: Balanced by some sort of counterweight, I expect, you see... You look here, look. Yes. The entire stone pivots aside. By Jove! There's your cellar uh, power.
1: Stone steps descended into an abysmal dark but scrawled across them as far as we could see. Skeletons, oh. skeletons, attitudes of panic fear all over them, oh. the marks of rodent gnawings, a ghastly array of human oh. or semi-human bones, cretinism, semi-apedom, We descended st- oh. the hellishly littered steps.
2: Horrifying, but extraordinary. Look here. Out through solid rock. Notice the strokes here. Look, according to the direction of them, this passage must have been chiseled from beneath, upward. You know, look at that. You notice the air? There's a cool movement of air, probably some fissure in the cliffs above. Yes, look, look, Pa, the stairway ends here. There's light filtering down from somewhere up here. I can't quite see it, but... Hey, it must be morning outside. You know, almost enough light to see. It's a sort of grotto. Enormous. You you can just barely...
1: The descent from reality had almost prepared me for what was to come. Norris, when I reached him, stared out with a look resembling that of the skulls at his feet. Then I followed his eyes over the subterranean world before us. Dear God!
2: We uh, must not uh, underestimate the uh, archaeological importance of such a discovery as this power.
1: The twilight grotto was of enormous height and stretched farther than any eye could see. There were buildings and other architectural remains. In the center, a circle of monoliths, but dwarfed, everything dwarfed by the spectacle on the ground. An insane tangle of bones, human or nearly so. Like a foamy sea, they stretched pastures of demonic frenzy, either fighting off some menace or clutching other forms with cannibal intent.
2: Yes, these skulls suggest a rather baffling mixture... Mostly lower in the scale of evolution than Pythic but in every case, definitely human. Actually, some of them seem to be supremely and oh. sensitively developed types.
1: Horror. Horror upon horror.
2: All the bones
1: gnawed. Altars serving as butcher shop and kitchen.
2: Mostly by rats,
1: yes. Cauldrons. Dining tables.
2: Not all by rats, my oh.
1: Goblets brown-stained and dry horror
2: Notice the stone pens over here for the keeping of herd, I expect, and out of which they must have broken in their last delirium of hunger or rat fear. Herds of some primordial human type. That's yes, fascinating. And there are a row of cells nearly rusted through. Their tenants still locked inside. And on,
1: on the, the bony forefinger of one a seal ring with my own coat of arms.
2: Hmm. Strange ideographic carvings here on some of the skulls. Here, look at here. Look at this power. You know, I believe they're Phrygian in origin. Cases of formally arranged bones with parallel inscriptions in Greek and Latin.
1: Still downward, I could hear them. Where else, where else could they draw me? Across the grotto. Pits of sword bones Picked bones Open skulls oh, Nightmare chasms Unhallowed centuries Grinning their unnameable fancies Then Then to the edge Of a depth Hideously foreshadowed By my dreams
2: mm. An apparently Boundless depth Power, there's no end to it. A great mouth lined with human debris. Spewing, swallowing, yawning out from the primordial uh, power, uh, power, stay uh, out of it, stay uh, out of it,
1: man. The rats, questing new horrors, determined to lead me on. I Fire! ran, ran Come back. following them, Fire! following them. Fire! I heard voices, echoes, but above all that insidious scurrying, I felt them all around me. I was one of them, part of the ravenous army that feasts on the living and the dead. Well, why shouldn't rats eat a de la Power, as Adela Power eat forbidden things? No, 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 I am not that demon in the twilight grotto. It's not Nari's body I tear apart. Ah! I... Isn't blood I feast upon? And flesh? Uh, <laughs> you faint and fear at what my family do. As blood, I'll learn how to grasp. Words is wine I can be his Magna Vater! Magna Mater! That is what they said. I said when they found me in the blackness over the half-eaten body of Captain Naris. Now they have blown up Exxon Priory and shut me into this barred room at Hanwell with fearful whispers about my heredity and experience. When I speak of poor narries, they accuse me of a hideous thing. But they must know that I did not do it. I did not do it. They must know it was the rats. It was the rats whose scampering will never let me sleep. The demon rats that race behind the padding of this room and beckon me down to greater horrors than I have ever known. The rats. The rats they can never hear. The rats. The rats in the walls.